to see you this morning. We're glad that you're here. Hope you've come uh, expecting a blessing from the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 20. Uh, this morning I want to talk to you about a guarantee. And uh, the uh, chapter that we're going to look at today has had all kinds of various views and books and charts and various things made about it. Uh, and we'll talk more about that. But, uh, you know, in, as you buy things and as you, uh, even services and things, you look for a guarantee, don't you? You want to know what's the guarantee on this? What's the, what's the warranty? Uh, this car or this air conditioner or uh, whatever it might be, you want to know that if uh, something goes wrong with it, that, they're go- that it's going to work. That's a good, good product. Uh, but here's the thing about guarantees. Guarantees are only good as the person or the company giving it. Uh, if the company goes out of business, your guarantee doesn't, it doesn't matter anything. <laughs> you know, it's no good. Uh, but there's a guarantee that Jesus gives, and he's trustworthy, and we know that when God makes a guarantee, uh, it's going to come to pass. And so, as I said, chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, like much of Revelation, uh, has had a lot of different views and uh, ideas about what John is seeing and uh, what God is trying to tell uh, the church. Uh, and this chapter, uh, perhaps more than any of the others, have been, has been victim of some very bad uh, taking Scripture out of context and making it uh, say things that it doesn't necessarily say. Um, but there are some legitimate and biblically sound uh, views about this chapter. Uh, and here's the thing we have to remember, um, and, and this is just a side note, that you know, it's all right for us to disagree, um, and it's all right to have different opinions, as long as we understand that it's not our opinion that matters, it's what God says that, that matters. Uh, and compared and up against what God says, our opinion doesn't matter at all. Uh, it's what God says and what God wills. And so... Uh, we're not going to talk about and get into the nitty-gritty of uh, some of the thing, different views of this chapter today. But if you'd be interested, I'd love to sit down and we'll have lunch and talk about it, uh, if you'd uh, be interested in that. But there's three things that regardless of whatever else you might think uh, Revelation chapter 20 contains, there's three things uh, that certainly are there regardless uh, and remember that John's writing this letter, uh, the book of Revelation. Um, he, he sees this and God gives this to John uh, as an encouragement to the church to remind them that even though there's you know, the chaos and trouble and all kinds of nonsense going on in the world, God is in control and God is going to have the last word. And we begin to see that and be assured of that here in chapter 20. So let's take a look, beginning in verse 1. Um, It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, the one who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. 
and he cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and the judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness for Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who is part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his uh, prison and he will go out to deceive the nations which are uh, in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is uh, of, as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and beloved, uh, the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they are tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11, And then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face uh, the earth and heaven had fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And then the sea gave up uh, the dead who were in it, and the death and Hades delivered up the dead uh, who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone who not found written in the book of life was cast in to the lake of fire what on earth uh here uh is john is wrapping up uh this vision god is showing that you know satan does have uh he is influencing and he's fighting against the things of god uh but he only has the power that God ultimately allows him to have, and ultimately he's going to be defeated. Uh, and so God is issuing through the John, uh, the apostle here in Revelation, three guarantees. And the first one is this, that Jesus will be victorious. Regardless of what else you think Revelation chapter 20 is talking about, one thing that is absolutely certain is that Jesus is the victor. We sang that wonderful song, Victory in Jesus, this morning. And by the way, I think I've mentioned before, Victory in Jesus is not just something that we sing about and we're going to have one day in heaven, but we're to have it here on earth. Uh, but we will fully have it when we get to heaven and when we spend eternity with him. But Jesus will overcome, and Jesus will finally defeat Satan, um, you know, and he will not have dominion anymore and will not be able to afflict uh, the people of God or the work of God. 
uh, he will win. And that, you know, is the reminder all the way back from Genesis as God found the world. We, Genesis opens with a, a glob, if you will. It says the world was without form. And God spoke. And he created the heavens and the earth and the water and the land and the animals and the birds and the fish and ultimately mankind. He brought order from what was chaos and emptiness. And then before very long, sin entered the world and Satan attempted to, to, to destroy and defeat what God was doing. And way back in Genesis chapter 3, as God pronounced punishment on the serpent and upon Adam and Eve, after he gives the punishment, he gives out the first glimpse of the gospel of hope. He says, you know what, yes, uh, sin has broken our fellowship and you're out of the Garden of Eden, but I'm going to work to restore the fellowship that we had originally. And that's what Genesis through Revelation is, is the unfolding story of how God is redeeming mankind. It takes a long time for the story to completely unfold. And sometimes we get a little bit discouraged and we think, oh man, we're going to win. Wesley and I went with our, uh, with our family. Um, it's Eve, uh, Avery's birthday today, he's 13. Uh, and so we went to the ball game last night to celebrate his birthday. And um, If you don't know baseball games, they're nine innings. It's number nine, that doesn't sound, But can I tell you, baseball games take a long time finish and by the middle of the third inning so the game wasn't even a third of the way over yet Andrew who's five or six I can't I lose track uh, of, of these kids and uh, so hard to keep up with how old they are but he, he so he's six and guess what he was ready to leave <laughs> he was bored <laughs> can, can we go home and during the third inning, it was not all that interesting of a game. And, uh, in fact, I think the Braves may have been behind at that point. Um, but it got better as the game went along. But it's still long uh, and took forever. But as long as a baseball game is, eternity doesn't even is a blink of the eye. And all of human history from when it began until Jesus comes back again is just like that. It's just a blink of an eye in God's eye. And so we sometimes as God's people and the people and John probably felt this way. He was exiled to a lonely island uh, where there wasn't much. Uh, the island of Patmos is very mountainous, very uh, you know it's not conducive to, to living. Um, although people obviously lived there. Uh, it wasn't the ideal summer vacation where you'd want to go spend uh, your, your days. And he was cast away there. The church was discouraged because they were facing great persecution. Um, and so they went, you know, is it real? And God wants, sends us a message through John, says, listen, it is real, and Jesus does win. 
And so we begin this chapter, he says, listen, this angel coming down from heaven and uh, you know, he had the key to the, a bottomless pit and a great chain and he takes the dragon, Satan, that old deceiver, and he throws him in this pit where the beasts were. Remember uh, earlier in this uh, book, uh, those beasts were, were thrown into this pit. Uh, and now Satan was there and a seal was put over there so he couldn't cause trouble anymore. Uh, but the time would come when he would be released for just a little while. Uh, and people have taken both of those things and taken them in various directions. Uh, but I think what God wants us to remember and understand, first of all, is that he guarantees that Jesus will be victorious. Jesus wins. The outcome of ball games is quite uncertain. You, you really don't know who's going to win and who's going to lose until the game is over. But when Jesus is the contestant, you know with absolute certainty who's going to win. And it's him. And so John encourages us, encourages the church, says, listen, Jesus wins. He will be victorious, just like he rose from the dead after three days. Death couldn't defeat him. Nothing will be able to defeat him. He will have the ultimate victory. The second guarantee that we find in Revelation chapter 20 is not only will Jesus be victorious, but we're assured Satan will be defeated. What a wonderful day that will be when we will not have to worry about that old rascal anymore. Uh, and evil will fade away. Listen, we live in a very evil world. There are killings every day somewhere, uh, not far from here lately. Uh, All kinds of evil, evil stuff uh, going on around our world. But the day will come when those evil folks will be called to account, but ultimately the father of that evil will be defeated once and for all. One thing, and I don't understand why God doesn't just throw Satan at, you know, out the door now. It's clear he could, and yet he doesn't. And somehow that's part of his divine perfect plan But one day, Satan will finally be defeated. He's going to suffer a major blow and then let loose again for a little while. But then, finally and ultimately, done away with where he's going to be confined to a lake of fire and brimstone and be in torment. Jesus talked about that place of hell being a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, it's a bad, bad place. And you don't want to go there, and you certainly don't want anybody else to go there. But certainly, uh, a great reminder that Satan, though it seems like, especially if you watch the news, um, it seems like, man... Satan's winning this war. You know, 
everywhere you look, it appears, you know, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's just falling apart, and, and Satan is doing more and more, and it seems like evil becomes greater and greater every day, and yet God reminds us, don't be discouraged. Don't give in. Don't lose hope. Because that father of lies is ultimately going to be faced with the truth that God is going to win. And God is the one that is omnipotent. He's the one that's all-powerful. And so Satan will be defeated. In fact, he's already defeated. He knows he's defeated. And so he's working extra hard. And by the way, I think he knows as we see this world just getting crazier and crazier, it seems like he knows his days are getting shorter. And so he's working overtime, trying to do as much damage as he can before his final defeat. But his defeat is sure, just as Jesus' victory is sure. And so the second guarantee that we find in Revelation chapter 20, regardless of whatever else you find in this chapter, is that Satan will be defeated. And then the last guarantee is something we don't like to talk about. It's the reality that hell will be filled. Hell is not a pleasant place. We don't like talking about it. It's, it really is a horrible existence. And it is an eternally horrible existence. A few years ago, they came out with a book and said, listen, because God is love, hell can't be real. Ultimately, God's just going to forgive everyone. He's going to give them hugs and just welcome them in. And listen, that's not at all what the Bible teaches. And that's certainly not what we find here in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20 reminds us, as well as several other parts of the Bible remind us, that hell is indeed real. Well, who's going to spend eternity there? John 20 is very clear about who's going to spend eternity there. It's not those who have suffered in this life. The, thing that the people that are going to spend eternity there are those whose names are not found in the Lamb's book of life. We find a group here, we find that martyrs, those that are beheaded or, or killed for their faith, have this special place in heaven and, and reign in, in a special place of honor uh, with the Lord. And there's, a lot, again, lots of different ideas about how that plays out and when it plays out. But, it's clear that, but then it's also clear that Satan is bound. It's clear that there's this great white throne judgment where we all stand, everybody stands before the Lord. And it says we give an account for our works. As I think Paul echoes, he said, you know, we'll one day give an account for our actions, whether they're good or bad. And John reaffirms that truth here in Revelation chapter 20. That we will stand before God and we'll give an account for our works. I don't know that 
you know, there's this film and God replays, you know, our entire life before our eyes and then says, well, what do you have to say for yourself? I don't think that's what will happen. But I do think the Lord will say, hey, listen, this was the good that you have done. And I think he's also going to show us as believers, he's going to say, here's what you could have done. But you didn't because you weren't obedient. And so you missed out. I think we'll stand before God and he'll ask us what our life meant and what we lived for and what we sought after. But the thing that will determine our eternity is not whether our life was filled with more good than bad. The only question that will really matter on that day is my name written down in the book of life. Well, how does a person's name get written down in that book? By a faith, believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and He paid your sin debt for you and receiving that free gift and surrendering the lordship of your life to Christ and living for him. That's how your name gets there. And here's the reality. If your name's not there, you will spend eternity in hell. And here's the truth. I think there will be some people in heaven that we don't expect to find and I'm even more sure that there will be some people that we expect to find there that are not. Because they're spending eternity in hell. Because their name was not written in the last book of life. Oh, they did good. And they tried to live a good life. Maybe they even went to church. But going to church is not what gets you into the Lamb's book of life. What gets you in the Lamb's book of life is putting your faith and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. But understand that hell is real and it will be full. I think it will probably be standing room only. And that saddens me and it should sadden you. And here's the thing and the reality about hell is that if we realize and we understand the, the guarantee that God gives that hell is real and there's punishment. And part of the reason we know that is because God is holy. He certainly is loving. And I'm thankful for his love and the grace and the mercy that he shows me and I hope you are too. But here's the thing, because God is a holy God, that means he has to punish sin. And hell is that punishment. You see, in this world, it seems like sometimes those that do evil get ahead, and, but even if they get away with it here in this life, rest assured they will not get away with it in the next. So hell will be filled. So here's the, the, the thing about that, though. If we understand how evil hell is, it ought to break our hearts that hell is going to be full. 
And it reminds us that, yes, this world is evil and it's horrible and it's hard to love people that are doing evil stuff, especially when they're doing evil against you. And yet God wants to remind us that hell is real and it's filling up. And we have an opportunity to lessen the population some. Because we have a message to share. And we have a mission to accomplish. And accomplish it, we will, through the power and the victory of Jesus Christ. So three guarantees we find as we begin to wrap up this book of Revelation. Jesus will win. Satan will lose. And hell will be full. I don't know the day that Jesus is coming back. But I know he is. And church, we need to understand that we need to be busy working and living for Jesus in such a way that we are rescuing people from the reality of hell. Because people's last opportunity is getting shorter and shorter. It's coming sooner and sooner. And though people have had various opportunities through their life to accept by faith this work and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we all can think about and look back on our life and see various occasions where God was speaking to us. And God was prodding us and poking us. And we didn't listen. Praise God, hopefully you have eventually listened and given your life and your heart to Jesus Christ and surrendered to his lordship by faith. But the day will come when people will not have that opportunity anymore. Either because they leave this life, especially tomorrow is not promised for any of us. We expect old folks to die. You know, we don't like it and we're sad when it happens. But the reality is every day there's infants that die. And there's toddlers that die. And there's teenagers that die. We are not promised tomorrow. And so our last opportunity may be now. Death may not call for us. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, we won't have any more opportunity. And so we need to make sure that we are settled and that we're busy helping others get it settled before either death calls for him or Jesus calls for him by coming back. And so lots of different, again, ideas and charts and systems and all kinds of things about Revelation chapter 20. But regardless of whatever spec, uh, side you fall down in in that discussion, these three things are true. And that ought to affect how we live our life. And I hope that it does. Let's stand again. We'll be dismissed for Sunday school this morning. And... Uh,
I don't think I mentioned it's in the bulletin, but I will uh, mention it. Our last uh, 9 o'clock service will be June 5th, um, and uh, got some things coming up in August um, that we'll be getting ready for uh, over June and July. So um, I wanted to point it out to you. It's in the bulletin, so everybody will read it. But since you're the ones that come to the 9 o'clock service, you especially need to know uh, that there's two more weeks left uh, of our 9 o'clock service. So um, uh, remember that. So, uh, Brother George, dismiss us for Sunday school this morning, please.